I'm Riley. And I'm Kristen. We're cousins. Let's hunt for some treasure. So, Kristen, I'm so excited to talk yes. to you about today. I'm bursting at the seams. I don't even know what else to say about it. But first, I've got to ask you, what is your personal treasure for this show before we get into anything else? Yay. So my personal treasure is I am getting back into oil painting, and I've taken a little bit of a break from teaching after I had my daughter and all that stuff. Um, I've painted a little bit here and there, but I am going to be teaching a group of high schoolers traditional oil painting, and I'm really excited about it because I feel like, obviously, I enjoy painting myself, but I feel like I improve the most when I'm actually teaching. It's like I, I learn more and I'm challenged more when I'm teaching. So I'm really excited about that, and... Um, Hoping to make some really good work. Kristen, for that is so sweet. Maybe our new house. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's also so terrifying, though. What? Teaching high schoolers. Like, well, they're homeschooled. Like they're homeschooled. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, You're no, good. I would never step foot in a school to teach high schoolers. I would never do that. Like, unless imagine? I was like old. But I know that's what but, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same exact way. <laughs> like, imagine, like, being you or me, like, stepping into our high school and being like, hey, I'm going to teach you some stuff. Oh my gosh. Like, in art, they would be like. They'd kill us. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah, they'd be yeah, like. Yeah, okay, we're oh, going to set no, your trash not. cans on fire. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I just, oh, my gosh. I am. But that's so exciting, though. Um I think you're going to have a lot of fun with that. And I totally understand, like, when you do teach someone something, you learn more about that thing. It's it's just like a, a yeah tr truth. Totally agree. And it's my first group that is that really is at the level that I want to teach. But they also are considering going to um, college for fine arts. And so... I don't know. It's just really encouraging to kind of, you know, like I was in that boat at one point too. like, do I want to go to school for this and had really great teachers and it was, it was really cool. So I'm, I'm excited that it's my first group that's going to kind of be working at a level similar to where I'm working. So it'll be really fun. Um, I think it'll be fun anyway. That's so exciting. But what about you? What's your personal treasure? Okay. Well, my personal treasure is that we just went to go visit my mom. She lives in the Maryland, Washington, D.C. area. And we had so much fun. 
we went to a like this small water park that Kristen and I just figured out that she went to this water park when <laughs> we were really little together. I thought that she had, but it's just like the nicest little, you know, they have like a few slides and um, a lazy river that Rhett was just like obsessed with. And so, yeah, I wanted to tell Kristen about, or and everyone else listening, about the flight back because it was literally the best flight back that I have. I mean, it was just fabulous. Okay, so we get on the plane and we're we get into like the third row. Okay, from the front, which is like my favorite. I love to be in the front of the plane. Ooh. Yeah, it's my favorite. Rhett always has to have a window seat, so I'm always in the middle, which is, you know, unfortunate, but it's fine. And <laughs> this lady sitting next to me, she was a black lady. So she's in the aisle, and I guess like her BFF friend is on the, so the other aisle. So like, you know, just like across the aisle from her. Yeah. They're both yeah, in yeah. aisle seats. You know what I mean? Yeah, the aisle separating them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. So they planned this. She's so nice. She compliments Rhett's shoes. Rhett just got new shoes, and he was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Like, (laughs) yes, I love these shoes as well. (laughs) And we are flying from Washington, D.C. to New Orleans because I live in Louisiana. These women are not from New Orleans. They're from D.C., And they're really successful. I can't remember what they do. It has something to do with like like a school. uh, I think they're professors. Like that's what I want to say. I think they work in a college. Like they're college professors. I cannot remember what they said that they did. But they were going there for uh, work and play. But like (laughs) 10 minutes into the flight. Yeah, 10 minutes into the flight, these women, they're like, we're starving, okay? And they pull out a, like a Tupperware of shrimp and, like, it looked like shrimp and grits, which is, like, a very common thing to eat in New Orleans. And I was like, (laughs) is this really happening right now? And so... (laughs) I think it might have been rice. It looked a little bit more ricey than grit than like grits. So I've never eaten shrimp and like I guess shrimp and rice is like a normal like gumbo type thing, but like I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. So it was like a homemade Tupperware. And I was like, how did you even get that on the plane? Number one. Like how'd you get that through security? <laughs> but okay. Anyways, they pull out this Tupperware. They open it and then they pull out solo cups. So they have they have a stack of solo cups with them. They get two solo cups. She disperses some of the foods into these solo cups. So they each have a solo cup. Then she brings out some sleeves of club crackers. The mini size ones. <laughs> and she hands it to her friend. And she's like, well, we're doing this right now. She hands her a wrapped fork in a nap like not a metal fork like a plastic fork in a napkin Uh uh-huh so and then she pulls one out for herself too it's like they're having a picnic on this picnic on the and i am like (laughs) i'm loving this i am living for this i'm like this is the best and they are just having the time of their lives 
they are gabber like jabbering on you know they're older black women and they're just like having a ball they are picnicking on the plane and I was like this is what I want to be when I get old so I was really wondering how they got this food onto the plane but then when we got off of the plane I figured out they were both like in wheelchairs like they had canes and stuff like I'm telling you like they were older women they didn't look that old they looked like very not old for their age I guess but yeah they were they both had wheelchairs and I'm like that's definitely how they got that on like they hid that food underneath their wheelchair and they're like oh my gosh I have no idea what you're smelling because it's not like <laughs> shrimp and grits or shrimp and rice or whatever. Like they were just like pre-gaming for their New Orleans experience. And um, I just was living for it. I just thought that it was just so great. I love how they cooked like a dish, like an authentic. Yeah, exactly. Like a dish that you would be able to just like order when you landed. I thought that it was like very, um, I don't know. I just liked that aspect about them. And that's why I actually asked her, like, where, like, if they're going home or whatever. Also, they tipped the the stewardess. And I was like, that is the nicest thing I've ever seen anyone do. I feel like that's, (laughs) it's like such a grandma thing to do, you know? Yeah, it was just, like, so nice. (sighs) I loved them. I'm I'm thinking I've been thinking about them since since we parted ways. That's so I know. cute. So cute. Okay, well, I've been wanting to go on a trip to DC, so I'm going to have to meet you on a flight. Maybe I'll get a connecting flight to Louisiana cuz those happen sometimes. But I'll go there and meet you and we can have a shrimp picnic on the plane to DC. Yes, 100%. I could get a flight to you and then we could go together because that would not be very far for me to go yeah we could get connecting like that would be very easy exactly let's do let's make this happen like that's that's the goal okay so Kristen now I kind of want to shatter all of your (laughs) dreams a little bit because (laughs) I'm so sorry Um, We are going to get into this story. So let me begin. I'm scared. You should be. You should be terrified. Okay, so I am going to start by reading this like poem, okay? And if any of our listeners have heard of this before, you will know what we're going to talk about. As I have gone alone in there... And with my treasures bold, I can keep my secrets where and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of Brown with a capital B, Brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is drawing ever nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. (laughs) If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to seize. 
But tarry scant with marvel gaze. Just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort effort will be worth the cold if you are brave and in the wood i give you title to the gold okay treasure is buried that's the only certainty i gather from this or treasure treasure exists based on this poem i have no idea what anything else i means. totally there's got to be something to do with water yes and i so since I am able to like read this, I did not put this in your um, outline. Okay. Outline thing. He talks about heavy loads. Yeah. Secret where the home of the brown. Yeah. It seems a lot about poop to me. Like that's what my first. <laughs> that's the um, first thing I thought of. <laughs> Thank you. I was just like, wow, what are we talking about? Um, Like. Heavy loads and water high. I'm like, ooh, that does. Uh, there's Got no the place for the meek. I'm like, well, yeah, it seems like it's not going well. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone, but that's just what I thought of the first time I read this. So I'm glad that Kristen felt the same way. I thought that she might. Okay, so Kristen, this is the story of the treasure hidden by Forrest Fenn. This is a fascinating and slightly upsetting treasure hunt. And I have a ton of questions about it. And I'm really hoping that you and I can like kind of figure it out together because I need somebody to like help Ooh. me um, in real time. Like, tell me what okay. you think about this. I'm so pumped. Mm hmm. I feel like his name rings a bell, but I don't know much about him. Well, it should ring a bell because he was in the news for a little bit, and I'm going to tell you exactly why. Okay, so let's start with Forrest Fenn. He is the man gotcha. who hid this estimated $2 million worth of treasure. He was born in August of 1930, and Ooh. is the middle child of William and Lily Fenn, with Skippy as his older brother and June as his younger sister. <laughs> like, are these not the cutest names you've oh, ever I love seen? The name June. That's I cute. know. Skippy, so Forrest, cute. and June. <laughs> like, that is like literally so cute. Okay, so the Fens grew up in Temple, Texas. And just to give us all the vibes. Here is a photo of his brother Skippy and Forrest and their friends playing cowboys. This is from The Thrill of the Chase, Forrest Fenn's book. We'll get into that. Oh. And it that's number one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, everyone can see all of the pictures that I post uh, or that we have for this episode, and they will all be numbered. And so, yeah, this is going to be picture number one. You can see Forrest and Skippy. They're labeled. And I think this one is going to say me, and then it'll say, like, Skip I see. or something. It says me. What's that say? Bobby? 
on the end? Mm-hmm. I think so. Bobby something Skip. So Skip is his brother. I don't know what the first one is. Jim. I think it says Jim. I think it says yeah. Jim. Oh. Yeah, Skip. Look at their look at their cowboy outfits though. They're exquisite. Like those are serious cowboy outfits. I love it. Like this is such a cute okay. photo. So almost every year the Fens so like Forrest, his brother and his sister and his parents went to Yellowstone National Park and that is where Forrest Fenn found his love for the outdoors mm. and the mystery of it all. Ooh. Mm. Okay, so Forrest obviously grew up like we all do and found his wife in high school. Her name was Peggy Jean. And then he pretended to enroll in college. And when the jig was up, (laughs) he went to the Air Force and was actually, like, super successful in the Air Force. But, yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, Forrest and Peggy had two daughters. Their name were Kelly and Zoe. And after retiring from the Air Force... He wanted to dive into the art world. He, Forrest Fenn, had been like a collector ever since he could remember. Like when he was little, like in that cowboy outfit, he was collecting little like knickknacks, you know, buttons or anything he could find. And yeah, like I too am a collector. I totally feel his vibe that he's going with at this point. So I guess. Becoming an art dealer was a natural progression for him, and he really (laughs) specialized in Native American artifacts like arrowheads and pottery and paintings and stuff like that, like um, very New Mexico-y vibes, you know, like Adobe style. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's when when I saw that picture and then you said he was a collector, that's immediately the vibe that came to mind. Perfect. So Forrest Fenn becomes a very successful art dealer and seemingly somehow overnight, hold on to this, we will get back to this and kind of investigate this a little bit more later. He creates Fenn Galleries Limited. And so you can go to Image 2 and that is him and his wife Peggy right by his side in like it's a photo of them in the gallery and they look I guess yeah pleased. They do look pleased. Fen Peggy and Forrest at Fen Galleries <laughs> Limited. I've never seen this painting before, but they look happy. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. They look uh yeah, just yeah. Like they're like they're we're official. Just doing it. We I have mean, these on the wall. Exactly exactly. If you look at this photo of him, like at this time, he looks like identical to the day he dies it's the weirdest thing he looks just so the same he aged but it's like his face does not look any different it's so weird and his hair looks exactly the same wow okay yeah okay so on to the treasure people this is why we are here we are treasure hunters and y'all are our crewmates sometime before 2010 Forrest Fenn had been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. So I've heard that it was like 
30 years, 20 years, 10 years. So I don't know how far before 2010 he was diagnosed with cancer, but he was not given long to live and he totally believed that it was terminal. Like he was going soon. Exactly. In response to this diagnosis, he came up with a plan to ensure his legacy. He wanted to be remembered by people. So Forrest called his like BFF over to his house and he <laughs> showed him this beautiful bronze box and he opened the box like it's like a little chest, not very big at all. And it is full of gold and gems and artifacts. And so Forrest was like, listen, I am definitely going to die from this cancer. And what I want to do is I'm going to hide this treasure in the spot that I want to die. What? Yeah. His plan was actually to like take his life. Like, when the cancer got bad enough, he was going to go to this place that he thought was just, like, the best place ever. And, like, I'm not really sure how he was going to accomplish this. Like, if he was already going to have a grave dug or, like, what was going to happen because he obviously couldn't dig a grave oh then. But he was definitely going to – his plan was to be buried and then have this treasure, like, on top of him. So this is what he told his like best friend. He was like, "This I'm gonna bury this in the spot that I want to die, and whoever comes and like robs my grave, it's gonna be like totally fine, because I'm gonna like lead them to this treasure, and yeah, it's gonna be great." And so then Forrest Cancer went into remission like very soon after that. So he was like totally fine. <laughs> This is this is not funny. I'm sorry, but it's no, like, I know. I totally understand. Like, yeah, because reading this, I was like, okay, so it's like, not funny. It's just the fact that he was like, I'm gonna. It's just like he has this elaborate plan, and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna end it all, and then thank goodness, like he's okay. But I envision him being like, well, crap. I have filled this whole box of jewels and gold. Like, what do I do with it now? <laughs> Ig, Kristen, you have hit the nail right on the head because <laughs> that is exactly what happened. He, so his cancer goes into remission and he was like, oh. well, drat. <laughs> now what to do? <laughs> so in 2010, he decides to go ahead with the treasure hunt because he, quote, like, I, I am quoting this. He got sick of waiting to die to do it. So, like, end quote. Uh, well, no. He got sick of waiting to die, end quote. <laughs> I mean, what? That is so crazy. So, he was just really into this at this point. And he's like, well, I'm not dying yet. So, I guess I'll just, like, I've wait. heard of that happening, though, to people where they get so fixated on – um they're just convinced like life is about to end and then they get a different kind of diagnosis or something. And it's almost like they go into a depression because it's like they can't see past that wall of like, wait, I thought things were about to end. Like they fully have accepted that as their reality. And it's like almost depressing for them to keep on living, which is really sad. Yeah, I, I've definitely heard of that too, but I do not think that's what happened to Forrest Fenn. 
and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear <laughs> in a little bit. I don't want to give anything away yet. <laughs> okay, so seemingly he took a note from like Byron Price mm, of obviously the, the secret. secret. We love Byron. Yeah. He wrote a book called The Thrill of the Chase and published a poem in that book that is supposed to lead to the treasure. So hmm. that poem was the poem that I read at the beginning of the like of this podcast. Okay, okay. And I have the page out of the book, which is going to be number three. And Kristen, something I found out about this page from this book, which I thought was awesome and so cool in like the original publication of the book this map thing it had a like a folder page in the front of the book and you can take it like you can take this map out and it is completely waterproof and everything and it's like a thick canvas type material which I'm like okay now I want it so you're supposed to take this on your treasure hunt with you like out into the elements trekking through the Trekking through the brown and the loads. <laughs> exactly. Yes, 100%. You describe what you see in this map. I mean, I guess the squares of, I don't know. Okay. The thrill of the chase. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's Montana. It zooms in. Oh, wait, wait. We've got Montana, Wyoming, and Colorado. Sorry, I had it zoomed in on my phone. This is. No, it's okay. And at the bottom, very, oh, very bottom, there New, is Mexico. New Mexico. I see New like, Mexico. Very, very, very bottom. I don't know if you can even see it. Yeah. So he's got his poem to the left. He's got one, two, three, four states on this map. And then over on the right, there's kind of like a color-coded system, I would say. What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, And that says public lands. Public lands. And then it says like BLM. O yeah, O S F S. So like, I don't even see these on the map. I don't know. I guess maybe in Colorado you can see some of it. It's really unclear um, what all of this means. So okay, so this is what you get in this book. I def. I mean, personally, this is really cool though. This I is love like the a secret, really so. I really like this map. Like, this would be cool to have. Like, imagine opening a book and you have this. It makes it feel like the treasure hunt is real. Like, holding the first clue to the treasure hunt almost. You know? 100%. 100%. I totally get that. And they, like, they say it's on, like, a canvas thing. Like, you can, Mm -hmm. it's like a, it's not a piece of paper. And I'm like, okay, I desperately want this I bet we can find it have you tried to find it on the internet no I have not tried to find it because I have found out that uh the people who are looking for the forest fen treasures are like they are obsessed with this and they're not giving up that map oh I see and I Mm. don't blame them yeah I know me either but maybe we should try to look for it if anyone out there has one and wants to get rid of it um, yeah. definitely send it over to us and we would definitely love that. I will put our, uh, PO box. Ooh, up. yes. Should we look for the, well, can you still buy the book? Is it still in publication or no? It's definitely still in publication. Okay. I watched a documentary and they said, 
okay, like that's how they got the map. And I was like, okay, so it's from a book. I'm just not sure like yeah, which one, book. if they still do that, but I definitely want one of those like maps. Yeah, that's really, really cool. It's like a relic, a relic from the treasure. I know. Like, I feel like we should maybe like make one of those for something like a canvas sort of like map type thing for something I don't know maybe like I, I don't know we need to come up with something that we can incorporate some sort of canvas real map that you feel like you're like a pirate that would be really cool I feel like it would be a good how cool would it be Tote. if we had our um like if we were able to silk screen on Almost like an ad, like a wanted poster, and just like leave these really cool things around for people to oh keep. My God, like yes. if they find it. Stop. So it wouldn't necessarily be like it's a map that they're going on a hunt, but it's like, you know, if I saw that out just stapled, you know how they staple like those trashy. Or um, like, yeah, or called? in the Wild like West, they would put visiting wanted singer ads. poster. Yeah. The wanted, yeah. So if we had something like that, but now, yeah, like, all the posters you know, on could keep telephone. It. I feel like that'd be pretty so cool, trashy and terrible. But like, I want them to be like wanted. <laughs> this is, yeah, we're, yeah, we want you to find this treasure. Okay, so, ooh, yeah, okay, that's good. Let's not give it away. We'll talk about this later, because I'm getting like way too excited, and I have okay, to talk okay, about okay. this. And actually, I need you to talk about this because I want you okay. to read what Forrest Fenn said okay. was in his treasure chest. Okay, here we go. Then I started filling the chest with gold coins, mostly old American eagles and double eagles, along with lots of placer nuggets from Alaska. Two weigh more than a pound each, and there are hundreds of smaller ones. Also included are pre-Columbian gold animal figures and ancient Chinese human faces carved from jade. What? How does he have this? The different objects in the cache are too numerous to mention one by one, but among them are a Spanish 17th century gold ring with a large emerald that was found with a metal detector and an antique lady's gold dragon coat bracelet that contains 200 and 54 rubies, six emeralds, two Ceylon, Ceylon. two Ceylon sapphires, and numerous small diamonds. And with some reluctance, I included a small silver bracelet that has 22 turquoise disc beads set side by side in a row. One of the prizes in my collection, a Tyrona, is that how you say that? I have no idea. This is where I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Starting over. <laughs> One of the prizes in my collection, a Tarona and Sinew Indian necklace from Colombia, is also part of the treasure. It contains 39 animal fetishes carved from quartz crystal, carnelian, jadeite, and other exotic stones. But special to the necklace are two cast gold objects, one a jaguar claw and the other a frog with bulbous eyes and legs cocked as if it's ready to spring. I held the 2,000-year-old piece of jewelry 
one last time and could almost feel its ancient power, its supremacy, before I finally lowered it into the chest and closed the lid. F. Signed F. So, <laughs> yeah, that's like Forrest. Jeez. And then TT. What in the world? T-T. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, he wrote this in the yeah, book. Yeah, what does that mean? Um, the Thrill of the Chase. T-T-O-T-C. The Thrill of the Chase. The Thrill of the Chase. Okay, ah. so yeah. Okay. He wrote this okay. in the book. So, like, this is factual. That is what he wrote. Went into this chest. And, like, that's a ton of stuff. Like, good question about the... um. Chinese human faces carved from jade. Uh, I mean, how does he have this? Yeah, like what is happening right now? Like this is literally crazy. When he was acquiring the art for his gallery, do you think he would just go to some of these art dealing shows or auctions and like some of these things probably were on auction as well and he would just buy them or you think he was like involved in the black market or something? We are going to get oh, into that okay. <laughs> very, very soon. And it is a fascinating, fascinating story. And you are just going to love it. I promise. Forrest Fenn promises the people who really, you know, believe in this treasure. You can just see from that, like untold amount of wealth. And also just like being the person who finds this treasure is also always cool. So many people have hunted for this treasure, looked for it. There are websites. One of my favorite ones that I got a lot of information off of is fenstreasure.com. And they have this like fascinating website. So this is fenstreasure.com and it's the page how to find Fen's treasure. So this might explain a little, like this totally made things way more clear to me. In The Thrill of the Chase, Forrest Fenn said, quote, I knew exactly where to hide the chest so it would be difficult to find but not impossible. It is in the mountains somewhere north of Santa Fe. Indecision is the key to flexibility and that's why I waited so long to secret my cash. Does that say secrete? I don't know. Indecision. Is it secret or secrete? I think secrete has another E on the very end, maybe. Indecision is the key to flexibility. I would hope so, because I don't want him to secrete (laughs) any sort of cash. (laughs) To secret my cash. I think he's saying indecision is the key to flexibility. So basically, he couldn't make his mind up on where to put it. Oh, wait, no. I knew exactly where to hide the chest, so it would be difficult to find, but not impossible. It's in the mountains somewhere north of Santa Fe. Indecision is the key to flexibility. And that's why I waited so long to secret my cash. He should have obviously I don't know what that's supposed to writer. mean. Yeah, I, I don't either. The last sentence. Mm, yeah, like the last like sentence was just off. But anyways... The last sentence is like you're saying you knew the whole time where to hide it. And then you're like, I was indecisive. Exactly. Anyway. Weird. Anyway. anyway. Okay. So step one, this fenstreasure.com. I don't, if you're interested in this, like definitely go there. They have so much information and they've been following this for so long. Step one is read Fen's treasure poem. Mm -hmm. That's what they say to do. 
So obviously we've already said it's in the book, The Thrill of the Chase. They say that the chest weighs around 45 pounds and contains over 22 troy. Yeah, 22 troy pounds of gold, jewels, and other ancient artifacts. I looked up troy. I can't say that word very well, but it's T-R-O-Y. Troy gold that is very confusing and um it's just like literally another measurement of gold it really doesn't matter very much so step two is find the clues in the poem there are nine clues to his treasure so people i don't know why they think there are nine clues they break the poem that i read at the beginning into nine so this this website literally says what are the nine clues to Fenn's treasure? Question mark. You may ask. Period. Forrest Fenn stated that the first clue starts at begin where the warm waters halt <laughs> in the poem's second stanza. You have to identify the other eight clues in the poem on your own. There are several theories concerning how to read the clues and what to do with them. Um, to find the chest. You can find more information about this on another link in here. Okay, so, I don't know. People are, like, breaking this poem up, like, changing the stanzas around a little bit. They're saying there are nine, like, definitive clues in this poem, and it's just, like, a lot. So then you have to match the clues on the map, and then obviously retrieve the treasure chest and Forrest Fenn said whoever finds it can have it and he will give you the title to the gold because isn't it like if you find treasure like the government takes it from you or something in the states like unless I guess there's somebody signing it literally over Mm -hmm. to you I don't know how that works Mm -hmm. yes but I think that that is how he got out of that um, because in his poem, he says he gives you the title to the gold. Oh. So he like kind of worked around that. So he is giving whoever finds it the title to the gold. So then like the government can't take it. And I did yeah. read an article about that, but it was like extremely boring. I didn't add it in. But I did just read the last sentence of this, and it says, Forrest Fenn has said in interviews that people have been within a few hundred feet of the treasure and walked right past it without knowing it was there. Like, gosh, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine that? Maddening. Also, how did he know that? I guess the people talked to him or whatever. Okay, so step number five is obviously stay safe in the wilderness. Kristen... I really, really wish that I could tell you that this is where this story ends. I think I've kind of given some clues about how I feel about this, but like I really wanted this to just be like a fun treasure hunt put on by a very eccentric millionaire and whoever finds it is clever enough to figure out that puzzle, gets a gigantic payout and they don't have to give any of it away. But that is not what is happening right now. Okay. And I want to see if everyone else agrees with me as well. Oh, my goodness. I'm so pumped and slightly sad. Yes. Is this where my dreams get shattered? 
like you said? Yes, and this is where there has to be some sort of like curse over all of this. Bad vibes, uh, cursed happenings. It's it's just not good. Okay. <laughs> In my opinion. And I want to know what everyone else thinks as well, especially you, Kristen, obviously. But I'm just, I'm like zooming into this just before you shatter my dreams, before you shatter them. Okay. I'm just like looking at this beautiful box of treasure and I'm like, just imagine A, finding it because you did the puzzle. But he said people had walked like within a couple hundred feet of it. So I'm like, what if he did hide it in public lands and you're just like out hiking or something like, what if you were to just stumble across this and you have no idea about the poem or anything? I'm just, like, it would be super cool if you were hunting for it or not. Like, I'm just appreciating it this gold be, and all I the mean, things inside. This is just, uh, uh, and the box itself what if you is were just, just walking. so ornate and beautiful. I know. What if you were just, like, I know. Like, why doesn't that happen to me? And you're just like, mm-mm-mm. And then you, like, just tripped over something, and you're like, oh, what's that? Like, and these people have been trying to solve this for, like, 20 years, and you just <laughs> find it. Like, that would be so funny and awful. Okay. That. Stubbed your toe on it. Yeah, you're like, ouch, <laughs> gosh. Oh, terrible. Okay, so, people, let's get into this. Okay, so I watched a very fascinating documentary um, it's like a New Yorker documentary, like the newspaper type thing. And um, it was directed by Sarah Joe Wolanski. And it's called Finding Fen's Gold. It's 27 minutes. I highly suggest it. And she spoke with people who have been hunting for this treasure for literal years. And... Some of these treasure seekers became friends with Forrest Fenn before he did ultimately pass away mm-hmm. in 2020 at the ripe age of 90. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Like he lived a long time. Cancer did not really take him. He was just old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, someone who this documentary focuses on is a woman named Cynthia. Meacham and Kristen that is the woman who you already saw I put it in the wrong place in your document okay and okay so yes I took a screenshot of her on my phone from this documentary I will add this as image 3.5 she's (laughs) so funny she's vivacious and she has been searching for Fen's gold since 2013 And she says at the very beginning, she has completed over 200 boots on the ground searches. So that just means, you know, she's actually been there doing it. She took an early retirement and became a full time (laughs) forest fen treasure hunter. What? Yeah. Like she is doing it. Yes. Cynthia actually became super close to Forrest Fenn and his family. And she still to this day calls Forrest her best friend Mm -hmm. that she's like ever had. She thought he was fascinating. You know, they hung out together. 
they show videos of them like interacting and it's just like kind of funny because yeah. he's so old and you can tell that she makes him like kind of laugh like kind of like I don't know it just seems very oh, grandfathery sweet. and like lovely before Forrest Fenn passed away this uh documentary like has a clip of I don't really know how what to call it but it's like a a conglomerate a group of treasure hunters that are all looking for his treasure like I would call it like maybe like a yeah, forest fen like just a big con. gathering exactly and Cynthia says that there were thousands of people there thousands yes wow. and forest fen is in attendance and you can see him on this video, and he is very obviously just, like, loving all of this attention. It is so funny, and he's really old, and it's just, like, funny. I don't know why. I just thought found it so funny. He's like, Ugh. But anyways. Okay, so Forrest Fenn seriously accomplished his goal of not being forgotten because he, I mean, literally undeniably affected a ton of people's actual lives like I cannot make this point more clear people absolutely live for this treasure hunt like people have moved they've gotten divorced they've gotten married they've gone bankrupt they've taken early retirements like Cynthia and people have even lost their life all from the allure of Forest Fen's treasure. Oh my gosh, Riley. So I would like to take a moment to talk about the five people who sadly lost their lives looking for this treasure. Crewmates, this is right now, I'm just giving you all a public service announcement. Like, I am not saying that these, you know, individuals did anything wrong. But if you are going to go into any sort of forest, national park, basically anywhere alone, on the boat, anywhere, you really need to have a personal locating beacon with you at all times. And I would really love it if, I'm serious, listen or watch or read anything from Dave Politis aka of missing 411 or the missing canam project and you will be convinced that these things yes. can save your life and they're so important to have when you are especially by yourself um so just FYI everybody if you're going to be doing this even if you're not by yourself get like one still, of these not before you go yeah. out into any sort of territory yeah, exactly. Like, because who knows? You might get separated from whoever you're with. I just mm -hmm. 100%. You need to have one of these. Okay, so I'm going to say the names of all the people who have passed. Randy B. Lou or Blue, Jeff Murphy, Eric Ashby, Michael Wayne Sexton, and Pastor Paris Wallace. 
all five of these people passed away in different scenarios, but they all definitely had one thing in common. They were treasure hunters until the end, and their friends and family know that that is what they were doing when they passed away. Like, they knew that they were looking for this treasure when they passed away. Gosh. That's so heartbreaking. I know. And so after the third death happened, this actually became national news, which, you know, kind of blew Forrest Fenn's treasure, like, into the stratosphere again. Um, But... There yeah. was like an outrage from people and they were calling for Forrest Fenn to call off the treasure hunt altogether. I mean, how do you feel about that? Because I'm like kind of torn. I'm I'm a little torn because I'm like these are full grown adult. I mean, it's not like it's it's not like he's enticing children to like disobey their parents and go out and do this. Like these are adults going to look for the treasure. But... I'm like, is it, I don't know. Part of me is like, well, it shouldn't be so hard to figure out where it is that people are losing their lives for it. And then you don't want it to be too easy. But I don't know if if one, I'm, I'm not even, I can't even really think about this objectively because I know like in my heart, if even one person, even if they were just seriously injured, like because they were looking for for my treasure, I would I would be like, oh my gosh, like that's weighing on me. I can't even. It's like, oh my goodness, that's like blood on my hands type thing. I just know personally, I would call, I would call it off after the first one. Not not to mention three. Like if three people had died, I would be like, okay, just this is done. You know. What about you? I totally agree. Like, personally, but then also what a lot of, you know, a clue kind of, I guess I would call it a clue, in this whole treasure hunt is, okay, so he died in 2020 at 90 years old. So he hid this treasure, like, basically, like, right before 2010, So he was like 80 or like 70, you know, 79, I guess, maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're like, Mm -hmm. how is this old man getting to these places? And a lot of people take that into account. They're like, well, I'm not going to look in a place that like an 80-year-old man is not going to climb up there. Like, I feel like when you're an 80-year-old man, you're just, like, over it all. And so they're saying that, you know, people are like, okay, well, it's not, like, blaming the victim at all. Like, obviously, we don't want anyone to pass away. Um, I don't know what I would do. I feel like you... I just feel like the issue is bigger. Like, you just have to be really smart when you're out in the wilderness and, like, a national forest. I'm terrified of places like that. Again, listen to Dave Politis, Missing 411. Watch that stuff. I'm terrified Mm -hmm. of places like that. And, like, I just... 
I don't know what else to say about it. It's they're very scary places and anything could happen. And I mean, this could just happen to people hiking, you know, like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are interested in this treasure hunt. And um, I don't know. I just feel like it's really That's not true, Forrest's though. That, that is true. It's, yeah, because like you said, I mean, you've seen stories on, like, the Discovery Channel of people that have had to, like, saw their arm off with a pen, I think, because they were stuck in a boulder. Oh, oh, yeah. And they were going to die. That was a movie, right? With James Franco. Oh, I didn't see the movie. I just remember, like, seeing it on the TV, like a documentary. Yeah, I I didn't see the movie either. I'm not good with things like that, yeah. Ugh, I couldn't watch that. But, um, but like, things like that happen all the time. People getting lost. Like, you're right, it's not his fault. I just think, personally, knowing that somebody lost their life, knowing that it was for my treasure hunt, like, that, that would seriously weigh on me. I wouldn't be able to keep it going. Oh, it would 100% weigh on me as well. Like, but also, like, I'm not good at keeping secrets. So, like, I would just, like, tell whoever um, basically immediately exactly where the treasure was. Like, I like after someone died, I'd be like, okay, here it is. Like, go get it. Because I'm not, go- I'm not taking my 80-year-old self up there and digging it up. So, like, someone has to go get it. Forrest did not do that. Okay, so... Someone else who was featured in this documentary, Kristen, who I was so truly excited to see, was this guy named Tony Duclopi. Okay, so he is a co-host for CBS in the Morning, and I, but I actually like know him from this. Yes, I know him from this amazing long and fascinating article he wrote about Forrest Fenn in 2012 for Newsweek and like this is the most explosive mind-blowing amazing article like literally that I have ever read I wish that I could sit here and just read it to you um (laughs) just like verbatim it's so long and it's so just like Okay, so I did say that Forrest Fenn uh, published his book in 2010, and the sales of this book were absolutely abysmal. Like, nobody bought it. Nobody knew who this guy was. <laughs> and so this yeah. uh, article actually launched this into the stratosphere. Like, this is the article that made this book popular which is so oh that's really cool just yeah and it just kind of like just shows you the spirit of america because he's like this guy is terrible and people are like buddy <laughs> hit a two million dollars of treasure somewhere i'm buying the book and i am changing my life and getting divorced with my spouse and going to find it like taking it's the early like, retirement what is mm-hmm. happening exactly like i'm doing whatever i have to do to go and find this treasure 
Thanks, Tony, for doing that. Love you. Okay. So <laughs> I really hope that all of our crewmates and you, Kristen, have your sea legs because this is honestly about to get rough and wild. Like, oh, I don't know if no. I've told a Buckle crazier <laughs> story. Tony, our great friend, poses the question, how did this completely unknown 40-year-old man go from an unknown retired Air Force person to yeah. one of the most prominent art dealers in the not only the country, but the world? I mean, this is a very valid question. Oh my gosh, is he a con man? It's worse than that. Oh no, he's a thief. Okay, so in 2009, Tony, our investigator he learns about forest so this is before the book is published so he investigates does he learn about him strictly from art like from the art dealings like there's no even talk about the book or the treasure hunt mm -hmm. at this point tony starts investigating our enigmatic character uh mr forrest fenn and he was able to get a private tour of forrest fenn's house Okay, so I've already raved about this article, and I want us both to read an excerpt from it because, like, it's just so perfect. I could not, I couldn't even change any part of it. So this is from Tony Dokpol. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm terrible at last names, which is kind of saying something because... I yeah, know. I had like mm -hmm. such a terrible last name. Well, not terrible, but hard for other mm -hmm. people to pronounce. So both of these excerpts will be from his 2012 Newsweek article titled Forrest Fenn Wants You to Find His Treasure and His Bones. And I am, of course, going to be linking it in the show notes. I really think that everyone should read it and it's so good okay so i'm gonna go first and then kristen you're gonna have one to read after me okay 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 for nearly two decades he forrest ran one of the world's finest art galleries catering to people atop the totem pole in washington and hollywood from president gerald ford and john wayne to jackie kennedy and Cher. They came for major works of Remington or Russell or O'Keefe or for Native American antiquities that surpassed the Smithsonian or for the mirage-like experience of it all. The private planes and chauffeured limos, the guest house with gold fixtures, the catered meals and in-house masseuse services, or just to see Fenn hand-feed his favorite pet, a Louisiana alligator named Beowulf. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh, but okay, I'm still like, how do you have all this money after retiring from the Air Force? Exactly. I, I literally have, like, what? I feel like that excerpt really makes it so clear, like, how wealthy, but how did he accumulate all of this? Like, it's so confusing. So basically up until his death, he would brag all the time about his, like, Hollywood connections, like how Steven Spielberg, like, tried to hunt him down for some sort of, like, 
I don't know, wooden pole from like ancient Egypt or something like he or he did love to tout his Hollywood and like famous people connections. That was like popularity. Like people want me. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so he did that literally forever. But I do feel like that quote just makes it so clear how rich this man became very quickly. Okay, so Kristen, now you are going to read yours. This is also from Tony saying, The same ethos is on display in his home, which operates like a museum, but with no guards, better inventory, and a price list. On a recent tour, I wrapped the shell of a mummified falcon from King Tut's tomb, not for sale, slipped a finger through a jade mask older than Jesus, $12,500, and beheld Sitting Bull's peace pipe. What? How did he get that? And beheld Sitting Bull's peace pipe, spiritual centerpiece of Custer's last stand, appraised at $1.1 after an under... After an undercover agent took a similar tour in 2009, the federal government raided Fenn's house as part of the biggest ever suspected case of grave robbing, <gasps> codenamed Cerberus Action. Is that how you say it? Cerberus? Yes. Cerberus Action, after the mythical three-headed dog that guards the underworld. <gasps> So he was like grave robbing these people to get these things? Like that is basically, okay. So, I mean, it's just insane. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It makes me feel like sick to my stomach though, thinking of all these rich elite people coming to see his stuff and just like gloating on the things that he has and he's just soaking it up. But like- he went and literally yeah. stole this out of graves. And I will tell you Or about at least this. bought it from people who did steal it out of graves. Yeah, I will tell you about oh the gosh. stealing of things. And also, it's like, yeah, those rich elite people are coming to this guy who, like, loves all of that attention. And, like, it doesn't even matter if you're, like, a rich and elite person. Mm-hmm. Like, he loves the attention from literally anyone we can see that um at that like forest fen like little like not little it was actually really big but that like yeah that little that like outside type of woods conference thing that they had whatever there are thousands of people there and he is soaking it up yeah the for the forest con that's what we should just start calling it now but yeah, he is you can tell he is soaking it up and he is so yeah. old, but he you can tell he is still like freaking loving it. Oh, it's bad. So mm. in the documentary, Tony also says that so he says that he got invited into this like room, one of the vaults or something like that, and he saw a white man's scalp and anything having to do with a scalp freaks me out oh my gosh okay time out my mom worked at a private plastic surgery center for a long time oh yeah I remember. and that. said when they do facelifts they put 
the front of the hair in these tiny little pigtails, like tiny little rubber bands all around like okay. the the front of the hairline, and then they make the incision behind it, <gasps> and then the front of the scalp and the forehead just like flops forward with those tiny little pigtails, and then they do whatever like muscle reconstructing and then they like sew it back on but anytime I hear of that I'm like anytime I've hear of anybody very talking upsetting. about like scalped or like getting I don't know ugh, like that disgusting visual of those so tiny pigtails flopping forward just yeah. makes me feel well Ill. I'm sure that all of our listeners oh, are also going to be ill from that story because that is one of the most upsetting things I've ever heard of um <laughs> And I've already, I'm already upset by anyone talking about anything having to do with the scalp. I don't know why, but it's just like a trigger for me. Just like, it's just. It's gross. Mm. Okay, but time out. If you were Tony, I mean, first of all, I would be, I would be questioning. I'd be suspicious of the sketchiness of this man at this point. But then I go into a vault and I see a scalp. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I know that probably wasn't for sale at any like legit thing. Tony you know? was suspicious of him. Like he heard about him in 2009 and was like investigating him basically, um, which like really honestly was not the job he was supposed to be doing. But um, he just couldn't stop <laughs> because this guy is just like so crazy yeah. So Tony goes into Forrest Fenn's house in 2009, as you said, and right after that, an undercover agent goes and basically does the same thing. So Tony says that when he went in there, that the walls of Forrest Fenn's Adobe-style house were literally covered with thousands of years of human history like originating from different continents all over the globe that is so just insane incredible you can see box art like tupperware boxes that are like human leg bone oh my gosh yeah it's so crazy wait but how did he not get into prison forever good question Kristen. i would really like to know that as well I find it very, very hard to um, figure that out because it's pretty obvious that this is what he does. I don't know. Yeah, that's really bizarre. (sighs) This guy. I I just, okay. So the theory in the art world and I guess the theory of the government believe that Forrest Fenn basically stole most of his treasures And Forrest Fenn basically admits to this multiple times to multiple people, but I feel like Tony kind of captures it really well. So in this article that Tony wrote, he goes way back into Forrest's past. And so we're going to kind of like revisit what I've already told you and kind of get more into detail about Forrest in his younger years. Oh, I'm excited. Yes. Let's hear okay. It. In 1950, enrolled in the Air Force. And 
within that like decade, mm-hmm. so from 1950 to 1960, he became a fighter jet pilot, which admittedly know absolutely nothing about, but I'm pretty sure that's like pretty like upstanding and like prestigious position, right? Yeah, and isn't it really kind of rigorous to be a fighter jet pilot? Like you can't just be like you have to really be pretty smart and and work yes. hard and do all this testing and stuff. Exactly. I'm pretty sure you have to do like a lot of stuff to do that. That's always how I've felt about it. So anyways, he was stationed in Germany and Forrest Fenn says that he was able to take jets out, quote unquote, for fun. Mm. What? Which is wild to me. Yeah, like, I guess this is just after, like, World War II, I guess. Ended in 45, so yeah, it would be yeah. like five year, five six years later, he's in the Air Force. But I just can't, even then, I can't imagine the military just being like, oh yeah, we don't care, just take your plane out. Like, there's exactly. all kinds of regulations, especially in other countries, too. Like, if you're flying in there airwaves or whatever like they can shoot airspace i know like yeah they're airspace yeah do they not have air traffic Mm -hmm. control people like what is happening it just sounds literally insane to me get ready for this so on his joy rides in the sky forrest went to places he absolutely was not supposed to go he literally brags about quote being kicked out of Pompeii three times. But I found an amphora full of wine and full of olive oil, end quote. What? So, (laughs) he just flies wherever he pleases, country to country to country, like just whenever he wants on his off days and goes literally grave robbing or like crossing all kinds of boundaries to get his hands on. He's just exploring all these places. Okay. I was also wondering actually what an amphora is. Do you know what that is? An amphora. I don't. Okay. An amphora of wine. I put a picture of them on your thing it should be i think picture four or something this is what he found yeah, the, the jars. Um, yeah those jars those are from pompeii so that's exactly what i imagine them looking like i didn't know how big they were and i also learned something so fascinating about these the way that they're shaped they're shaped to be able to take yeah. up the least amount of space They have a way to wrap ropes around them so that, like, they can literally stack them up against the wall. They can take up an entire wall with these. Like, it's just fascinating. I don't know. I just love little things about that. Whoa. That's really cool. And they're beautifully made. They're Like, I would totally love to have one of these in my home. Oh, Kristen, don't even talk about it. I would, like... I'm going to make one now. Okay. So he, does he, (laughs) sorry, go ahead. No, continue. Does he what? Does he, when it says he found, when he's bragging about finding this, did he like find an unknown room of these? Or was he just saying he was exploring and like just wanted to go 
like something that was already known, you think? So I have read articles saying that Forrest Fenn was notorious for going into um, like places that were being excavated and like going there under the cover of night and like, you know, mm. digging stuff out and taking it. But no one is really quite sure how this happened because he, I mean, he fully admits to flying. So he's flying a jet. I don't know what you'd call that. A jet fighter plane or something. And a fighter jet. Yeah. And then like finding these things and he knows what's inside of them. So he obviously had to just, like, what, land on what, just, like, some grass or some sand somewhere? Like, don't you need, like, a landing strip or something? That's what I'm saying. Ridiculous. Well, and if you're going, like, grave robbing or illegal excavating, like, wouldn't you want to sneak in? Like, you wouldn't want to just fly here. Yeah, like, it just seems so. (laughs) This is But you know what? It makes me think. He's got to have someone on the inside, though, because how is he just randomly going to hop in his plane and feel like, hmm, let me go to Egypt today and steal something out of King Tut's tomb? Like, it makes me wonder if he had somebody. Okay, just wait. Oh, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not saying King Tut, but um, <laughs> also I do want to say about Pompeii, I'm sorry we're going back in time. I went to a museum Pompeii thing with my dad one time. It was the most moving exhibit that I've ever seen in my life. Wow. So they had like actual excavated things and they're not things. They're like people and dogs and like, you know, stuff from Pompeii. And obviously all of it is all black, but like there are women like you can see them perfectly. You can see their faces. Oh, my And gosh. these are, like, real things that came out of Pompeii. You can see their faces. They're holding over their children. Like, they're, you know, oh my covering gosh. their kids. And dogs that are hiding under little buckets. Like, I have chills right now just thinking about. That's really. Well, because Pompeii was, like, an immediate volcano or was it a flood i can't remember okay so pompeii was a city that was you know existing in 79 ad and mount vesuvius erupted volcano 100 percent, and it killed the people of pompeii within 15 minutes um so it erupted and then a giant cloud of like noxious hot gases and ash like burning ash oh breathing it in you know volcanic debris rained down on the city so yeah it killed like 20,000 people of this city Mm. and so the things I saw in the museum they weren't like the real thing okay I don't really know how this works look I'll, I'll look it up let me look it up okay okay so according to Pompeii sites.org afterward a high temperature polyclastic flow hit the city at high speed and filled all of the spots not yet engulfed by other volcanic materials so that anybody still in the city died at once of thermal shock 
The bodies of these victims remained in the same position as when the polyclastic flow hit them. And being covered by the calcified layers of ash, the form of their bodies was preserved even after the biological material decomposed. So basically what they did, it made like molds of these people. And I will post one of these online. And yeah, it's it was really, really So it's like a perfectly preserved. Perfect. Yes. Perfectly preserved in like the worst kind of way. Like all of these people are like scared for their lives. I'll never forget it. Riley, sorry. I had to look this up and I'm about to cry. This is so sad. What? The Pompeii thing? Pompeii. The people mummified from the ash. Yes. I told you. It's like, it's pretty great. like that. But a lot of them are really beautiful though. They are. This one's literally, I think, a parent over their child, which is just makes me feel very sad. I know. And that's exactly what either of us would wow. do. I mean. Okay. Yeah. Please don't. Riley. Look at it. <laughs> please. Well, that's what's so sad having. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I can't look at this. I can't look at this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You'll okay, go crazy. It's. um. Yeah. So he's in his fighter jet. Blazing through the sky, decides to land on no landing strip and just dig up or explore whatever he wants and just takes whatever he wants, it sounds like. He also goes into detail about this other time he was flying over someplace in Libya and spotted something in the water. So he goes, oh my gosh, I just like spotted this thing in the water. And so then he returns later with a jeep and a rope. And he pulls another one of those jar things, an amphora, out of the water and then immediately breaks it open. And it's full of coins, like bronze coins, like literally full to the brim. (laughs) They've all been welded together by the salt water. Wow. And like, I think that this story is so freaking weird. I'm sorry. But if you're flying a fighter jet over Libya, yeah, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can see like a an amphora down there in the water, and you're able to pull it, like it's so close to the shore that you can bring your jeep there and like back your jeep up to the beach, I guess. And first of all, and the then, jars like, are made out of rope. clay, like it's not. Like it's a shiny yeah, like, gem in there, like reflecting the sun at you. Like it's just, Ugh. I feel like it would just look like a piece of coral on the bottom. Exactly. You wouldn't even be able to see it from a fighter jet, first of all, from being so high up. And then secondly, That's from what I'm flying saying. so fast. Yes. He's sketch. This is a lie. I think this is a lie <laughs> Like from him. what is happening yeah. right now? Like this is, I feel like this is so sketchy. And also, you know, what if he did find this in the Pompeii thing that he did? Because he obviously went there multiple times. He got kicked out three times. So, you know, he went there like more times than that. So I'm thinking he found this same. I mean, what are the odds that he's just flying over Libya and finds this, you know, thing that he can pull out with his his Jeep Jeep. and Mm -hmm. a rope like other people would have seen that before. Well, and how would you remember like, the exact coordinates from just... your plane 
to drive there at a later date with your 100%. Jeep and like 100%. throw a rope in the water and you get it. Like that's just ridiculous. 100%. Plus things in the water just Ugh. move around. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That was a lie. He definitely took that's, that from that's Pompeii. That's their job. He yeah. definitely took that from Pompeii. That's what I think. And also. Or, or from. He I, just. Mm. He finds an artifact and instead of like preserving it, he just cracks it open. That's exactly what he says that he does. He says that he breaks it open just like right there when he finds it. And I'm like, what type of sociopath are you? I hate it. Kristen, it gets even crazier from here. I don't even know how you guys are going to like handle this. Okay, so. Oh my gosh. Forrest Fenn leaves the Air Force and. We kind of know that he's basically like a thief. And also a reason not to trust Forrest Fenn is that his favorite place in the world is the desert. He <laughs> loves the Sahara Desert. And I just don't trust him, number one, because of that. That like, is. If we had no other information, I'd be like, okay, sketchy. That's weird. Like, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, okay, so he says that he loves the Sahara Desert because you can find a hand grenade near a dinosaur bone. Oh, that's fun. But I think it could be for different reasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that he just like buried some dinosaur bone he found near a hand grenade and was like, oh my God, look. Okay, anyways, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, oh. Okay, so Forrest Fenn had found some partners along the way. They were there's two guys who he kind of like paired up with and they were really interested in, you know, excavating and basically like archaeology and Forrest Fenn was like, "Yeah, I'm totally into that too." and like acted totally normal. And so these guys had children and the older children, there were, like, you know, two of them from each guy. Like, okay, so, like, why am I so bad at explaining things? Like, <laughs> like one guy had one kid, the other guy had one kid, and then Forrest <laughs> had no kids, okay? So they went out with their dad sometimes with Forrest to excavate some locations. They went out and, quote, came upon graves, end quote, of most likely native people when all of them were together Forrest Fenn would just like you know lightly excavate and be like oh my gosh this might be you know a burial ground or whatever and he would like you know brush away some more dirt and be very coy and then <laughs> literally later that day they would leave and then Forrest would go back and take everything from the grave literally robbing these graves blind hence the leg bones that he has in tupperware in his house oh my like this is not okay he is just the worst i mean how disrespectful is that and i just can't imagine disturbing <sighs> that's what i'm saying like disturbing someone's body in the ground like that was a human being i just don't it's literally asking for a curse. Yes. And it's like, isn't it obvious, though? Like, if you went there that morning, you're lightly digging, and then it's like, say the next day, they're like, you know what? Let's actually go back there and see if we can find 
you know, let's just go look. And it's like the whole place is just a giant mound of dirt where he's like dug everything out. It's like, okay, it's obvious that one person from the group came back. That is literally exactly what would happen. And the the like the kids of the people were like it was the weirdest thing ever like they were not into it and their dads were not into it and that's why Forrest really which is kind of sad but like he had no friends Mm -hmm. okay so there's like this guy who was like an Indian artifacts dealer he was friends with the Native American tribe and so Forrest Fenn became friends with the Native American artifact stealer and you know they kind of worked out some sort of deal and Forrest would obviously pay him money for you know just artifacts and stuff like that but the, this is so just like trash person I can't even Native American <laughs> artifact stealer got so sketched out by Forrest Fenn, he like started backing out of the deal very, very quickly. And then Forrest Fenn tried to take him to court to not only get the artifacts, but also his money back. Like, oh. <laughs> who does that? Oh that is just gosh. like so sketch. I'm sorry. I just do not appreciate things like that at all. To me, it sounds like there's something missing in his brain because if I were doing something illegal like grave robbing probably the last place that I would want to go is to the courthouse thank you yes I mean obviously come on Forrest or just thinking like in his plane Mm -hmm. he can just like go out for a joyride like to places where he's not supposed to go it's like he just has no I feel like he has no regard for what is, um, I don't know. He's just not afraid of like getting caught. He thinks he yeah, won't exactly. get caught. He does not care. I, I mean, he just literally does not care. There's so much evidence of him being so sketchy. I wish I could tell you that it stopped here. I wish I could tell our listeners that it literally stopped here. But it doesn't. I, I I don't even know what else to say. Like, it almost gets worse. Well, it, it does get worse at one point. Just for a second, though. I'm not going to go really far into that. Oh but, yes, gosh. like what you read, in 2009, he was investigated by an undercover federal agent. And they could not get him on anything. Like, <gasps> not even grave robbing, which, like, is a known fact that he did that. So, yeah, he never suffered any sort of indictments. And I definitely think he paid people off for this. Especially if he knew all those high-up people. Like, they're just above the 100%. law. 100%. Like, that's exactly what happened. There is... N- he's not even... A- he's brazen. Like, he's not even afraid to say what yeah. he's done. He definitely paid people off. I mean, I guess there isn't any, like, CCTV or anything out in the desert (laughs) or, you know, watching Native American tribal grave sites or, like, you know, monitoring Lebanon's waters. So Forrest Fenn took a note from his dad. His dad used to tell him to grab every banana from every banana tree that you see because, you know end quote and he was like you know no one else deserves any bananas so which is like such a rude thing to say I'm sorry like I'm not teaching 
threat that really is to like grab every single banana no like share with your fellow person sorry uh forest fens dad (laughs) dick Mm, i really hate that and honestly Kristen, i got tired of like even writing about all of this i'm honestly tired of telling you about all of this but there are just so many weird aspects okay here's another one Forrest Fenn bought his very own Native American ruin called San Lazaro Pueblo that he, quote, plays on. (gasps) Wait, how do you buy that? Great question. Apparently, America sells ruins. What? Yes. I did not know that. It's an entire Native American civilization that began in... 1200 and lasted until 1800 so there are so many relics and everything buried in the ground and all that kind of stuff and he just like goes out there and just like fiddle farts around just like does whatever he wants to do and like he says that he sits on top of one of these very important spiritual rocks that this um truck I guess tribe, I don't know, like civilization of Native American people would pray around or whatever. um, And he just sits on there and he loves to drink a Coca-Cola and like look out on all of the land that he owns or whatever. Some sort of dumb like. Oh my goodness. He's just like such like an insufferable person. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And also... America, like, what is up? Why are we selling people ruins and antiquity? Like, why are we doing this? It's, like, not a commodity. It's not like it's, like, oil, you know, like, but I guess that's how America works, so. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah. Because it's not, like, you're not just, like, selling a plot of land. Like, there's known bones and people in there, you know? Who lived there for so long. Okay, so Kristen, do you want to stop here and then? Yes. The first part, Riley, was so interesting, but I am appalled at how he has taken a turn for the worst. Like, this is so, well, it's like you fall down the rabbit hole and it's like, oh my goodness. Because at first I'm like, oh, he's so cute in his little cowboy picture. And like, oh, so many people came out to the forest, to his forest con. And now it's like, oh my goodness, he's like the world's best slash worst con man because he's just, like you said, an insufferable human being. (laughs) Yes. Okay, everyone. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us on this descent into absolute and total madness. Please come back for Forest Fen Part 2. And if you're a crewmate, follow us, like us, subscribe, rate our podcast wherever you listen. That is truly so, so helpful for a small podcast like us. You can follow us on Instagram at Treasure Podcast uh, to see all of the images that we post. So, crewmates, until next time, may the winds be on your side. Bye. Love you all.